0: Hey friends, and welcome to another episode of the green and growing podcast, it is Hannah here and Sarah, Sarah, we are here together for another episode and we are excited. Uh, We were chatting earlier today and I said, Hey, it's getting to be the end of the school year we're all feeling a little frazzled. Maybe some of you have state convention or you're planning for it coming up. Um outdoor events, things like that. I know for us we have our agriculture day coming up and we need those activities, those projects that can be used for anything, maybe cover a couple of days um and that are high engagement for our students. So I said we we should quick chat about that we should chat about what we use um, so that y'all can hopefully have a good end of the year and feel confident so first thing that i wanted to share that i'll actually be using on monday because we have our state convention is a current events um sheet now what is exciting is these things that we'll talk about, we're going to link um, on our website in our resources area, so you'll be able to get um, get them and print them off and all that good stuff. My current event sheet you can use with any um, any article anything that is relevant. So I am using it on Monday for um, an article that I found on avian influenza for my Fish and Wildlife class. Now, it's really, really pretty easy. I have a 45-minute class period, and it typically students can finish it by that, by that time. Um, and students just go through, read the article, and dissect it a little bit. So what is the main idea of the article? What are three pieces of information that support the main idea? They have to answer a question about why the article is relevant, and then they can predict what they think might have happened after a few months of this article. So what what do they foresee happening? Now, I had some students that were cruising through that one. And so I made one that was a little bit more advanced as well and had a backside where they have to discuss the topic with another person um, and kind of write down what each person's opinion was on it and then make one inference from the article. And we talk a little bit about what an inference is Um, So what I typically do is I use just my regular current events for my students that need accommodations. So sometimes my students with IEPs or my EL students who um, are reading at lower levels. And then I use my advanced one for for the majority of my students within the class. And like I said, it's a 45 minute class period. What's fun is sometimes you can give students a broad topic, like, hey, I want you to research biotechnology give them a website to go find an article that they think is interesting and they can um, find an article that's interesting to them and then that's kind of fun when they have different ones and they're discussing my favorite website is sciencedaily.com because students can go in their articles that are um, scholarly so students can can, they're not just finding the, the next Wikipedia, blah, 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 <laughs> um, and it, it just works really, really well. It's print and go. I've done it um, as a PDF as well, and students have done it in Notability, so it's very versatile. The other one that I have done is um, a podcast package. Now, this one is probably one that you might be looking at if you are wanting um, your students to have a project that's about a week long. Um, And what I like about this one is Oftentimes, it's one that I use at the end of the school year when I maybe haven't covered everything that I was hoping to cover or students still had topics that they wanted to research a little bit more, but I didn't get a chance to research them or um, teach them rather. Um, And so the podcast package just literally walks your students through how to record a podcast. So it starts off giving them a couple of um sample episodes to listen to so we'll usually spend one day listening to some sample episodes science versus is a great one that has short little um episodes you can listen to um and we talk about the different styles of episodes where one you might have a co-host or maybe you're just sharing information on your own Um, and then the second day they research different topics that they might be interested in the third day typically we start in the um they they've secured their topic, whatever one they want to um, start recording on and they'll do research and then we talk about script writing. Um, And I require my students to do a script because in the past I've let them just go on their own and writing a script typically helps them organize their thoughts. So it's typically like that um, they have a hard time organizing the information that they've researched. And I think when they have to write the script, it kind of makes them analyze the information that they have and put it in order and whatnot. Um, And then they start recording. And to be honest, we do not have fancy podcast recording material, um, or supply like, um, microphones or anything like that, we use their school school iPads. We do, however, go down into the library because the libraries are a really good place with all the, the books to absorb echoes and stuff like that. Um, and they record in there i leave it up to them if they just want to do a one and done record or if they want to go in and edit and add some music and stuff like that um, my main goal for them is that they get to research a topic they're interested in at the end of the school year typically uh, this is one that you can even use if you like maybe have a unit that you're not super comfortable teaching um, maybe you are in f- teaching forestry in your to the fire unit and you're like i don't i This is above me. Go ahead and have your students do a podcast about it, and maybe they're going to choose some different topics within that unit. Um, So that is available for you as well. Both of these resources have rubrics attached, so you can easily go through and grade your students. Actually, on my current events, I usually have my students grade themselves, so that then I can just quickly go through and make sure that I agree with the grade, and then enter it in. So Sarah, what do you have for us?
1: Well, before I get into mine, my brain hearing you talk thought also you can meld those two activities together for a longer thing. So like start out with an article with your kids, maybe on a Friday, you know, like they're just tasting the material and then they put that together into a podcast. I know I used your podcast um, materials once before because I learned it from you when you presented at NAAE. When was that? 2019. Maybe we were together in California. Yeah. And, um, I cut up a standard into substandards and then I assigned each group, a substandard. And then at the end of the podcast, they all listened to the entire podcast. And that was their like notes for that, that standard. It was in my small animal care class a couple of years ago. I can't remember, you know, what we did, but It was one whole standard I had to teach, but they did it all on their own using the podcast. So lots of different opportunities that you can do with all of these. And now I'm thinking I'm getting into invasive species in my wildlife class and they're doing the activity I'm about to talk about. But I think I'm going to add in the podcast after that for them to create for them and all of their classmates to listen to. So what I'm talking about, I'm not going to talk about super in detail, but it's Wonder Day or Wonder Week. If you have no idea what I'm talking about, stop, pause this episode and go back to week um, to episode number 90. I've done it. It was recently this uh, this spring, fall timeframe that I redid Wonder Day, Wonder Week. And it is an activity I learned about from John Spencer. I still use it. I know Callahan um, from North Dakota posted about using it this week with her kids. And it's when kids start with a question. I wonder what, I wonder how, I wonder if I wonder whatever, and then they go and research that question and then create some type of deliverable about it. So a lot of times, like if I'm going to pinch, I'm going to be honest, like I come to school on Monday and I'm like, oh crap, what am I going to do? I'll put it together like a slide really quick. Um, and I have a whole bunch of them that I've like pre-done from other classes. and I just changed the standard. I'm like, okay, we're talking about, um, what are, what's coming up to us food science in my, um, intro to ag class. And it's like, I just want to get us started. They don't really know much about food science. So, you know, maybe like, I wonder how hot Cheetos are made. Like, hello, that is something that kids obviously care about. I mean, hello, hot Cheetos. Is it just me? I don't know. Um, or like, maybe it's about their favorite candy or like, why does soda get flat? Like I wonder why that happens. Um, and then they create a a poster I've done before. Sometimes I do posters on like, gosh, what size is the paper? It's like fourteen by nine. It's like a random paper that I had a plethora of in the room that I entered. So I just use that as my poster paper. It's just bigger than a normal piece of paper. Um, and they usually like have a day to get it done. And then I always always have kids present in mini presentations, which does not mean they stand in front of the class. Half the class stays at their poster or their slide. And then people come around and talk to them. They might be talking to one person at a time, three people at a time. And then after seven to 10 minutes, depending on how many kids they switch and then go around. And then this whole time as a teacher, you're just be around and listening to the kids talk. And it is very magical if, if I do say so myself, um, just, all of the kids engage, like usually I don't have kids who are like, "Ugh, I'm not going to do this. They'll get up and learn from their friends, uh, even if they didn't do the work because they'll get a grade for just doing the rotation versus doing the poster, which is great. So Wonder Day is awesome. Don't get into your head too much about this. I will give some resources to you on the takeaway library, but just ask your kids to come up with a question. Something that helps me Just a friendly tip is I always write down what they come up with, especially if it's a two-day project, um, because they'll forget and I always have it on a post-it note and I make them tell me their question or their topic before they move on just to make sure they're on the right track, especially if I'm talking about something that's a little bit newer, like biotechnology or I I don't know, something new. I want to make sure they're on, on the straight and narrow. I always thought it was straight and arrow. Until I heard it like yesterday, it was on captions, I think, while I was watching a TV show. I thought it was straight and era, like an era goes straight. Apparently not, guys. Revelations of Sarah Nerswick, Anyway, um, so write it down. And if a kid's really struggling, you know who hasn't done it yet. So you can go up to them and be like, hey, have you come up with something yet? And have a conversation with them or be like, hey, would you like me to help you find something? And you guys can have a discussion like, what are you interested in? What kind of animals do you like? Do you want to do a mammal or a bird? And like, then you can find out what they want to do. The other thing that I feel like we forget exists a lot is the New Horizons magazine, right? The FFA produced New Horizons magazine. I don't know if you're like me. When you do your FFA roster and you just put your school address for every kid's address so you don't have to get them to do it. Hannah's laughing.
0: I I thought I was alone.
1: (laughs) You are not. I know many ag teachers who do that. And then you get like a stack of 50 new horizons magazines to your school and you're like, Oh crap, what am I going to do with this? Well, never fear friends. FFA has come up with an entire lesson plan for every single New Horizons Magazine, and you can focus on a certain thing. So I know they did an incredible piece in the last one about NFA. So I left that during FFA week, um, which happens during Black History Month. So it worked out really well to learn more about the history of NFA and how it started before FFA. And um, it just really opened my eyes as an educator, but also my students to things that aren't necessarily in our curriculum. We just talk about 1965 and that's it. Um, so it really dove deep into the history of NFA, which I thought was incredible, but it was all made for me. I just printed it out and copied it and stapled it and, you know, like had it for me that day. And if you're like, well, Sarah, I'm not like you and put my school address for all of those magazines. I actually send them to the kids. You are a better ag teacher than me. Number one. And number two If that's the case, you can still use the digital version of the New Horizons magazine. All you have to do is look up on Google like New Horizons magazine FFA and it'll pop up and you'll be able to see all of them. So even if there's something that's like not really relevant to you in this, you know, like the one that's out right now, um, you can go back and find other issues and find the lesson plans for those issues. So you don't have to do it, and these are all activities. I feel like the podcast could could be started on a day that you're out. So Hannah was talking about the current event; she's doing it when she's at national convention. I've definitely done Wonder Day after I've maybe modeled it once or twice for kids. I've left that for my students when I've been gone, um, and definitely have left New Horizons because it is very very good directions um, for those for those kiddos.
0: Now. At this point in the school year, I also feel like my students, and maybe your students are different, but my students are um, losing interest just a little bit. Some of my seniors are—I lie—they're—they're they're really losing interest. A lot of it. <laughs> um, the senior slide is kicking in, and sometimes I just need that little boost of like engagement. Like, hey, here's something fun. It's maybe not 100% agriculture related but hey we're building some teamwork skills we're interacting with one another we're building those problem solving inquiry skills that are also very important for our students and those are stem challenges so i know that sometimes my brain works a little bit different and i will see a piece of piece of paper and a roll of tape and i will make up a stem challenge game now i know that doesn't work for everyone but you have a really cool tool called Google, and you can just Google STEM challenges and a gazillion things will pop up. But I'm gonna give you two of my favorite. One of them is the Penny Bridge. Now, um, I learned this from Nikki Philoday Doll in um, North Dakota, and I modified it based on what I currently have in my classroom. So if you have two textbooks, And you have some paper and then whatever other supplies you have. So usually like masking tape works well. And then sometimes I throw in random stuff like a paperclip or a rubber binder. And the goal is for students to build a bridge that is strong enough to hold a bunch of pennies. Right? A a rubber band. Is that what you want me to say, not a rubber binder? Yeah, I was was thinking. You want to know what? A um, oh,
1: rubber binder. I never
0: what? Is that uh, what you're saying? I've gotten made fun of by um Nikki and Brianna about this because I said hair binder. And, and apparently that's like a hair tie or something. I don't know why okay. is that I'm yes. sorry.
1: That's okay. Just a for all band. of us who didn't know what she was saying, she was <laughs> saying a rubber band, not a binder made of rubber. Okay, continue on your
0: STEM challenge. For the clarity. All right, so you have two textbooks. You have the students put them 12 inches, 14 inches, 16 inches, however difficult you want to make it. The further apart, the more difficult on the table. And they have to utilize the paper, newspaper, loose leaf paper, whatever paper you have, recycled paper. They have to utilize that paper and you can choose how many pieces to give them. You can give them one piece and they can rip it or you can give them multiple pieces, whatever you want and they have to build a bridge between the two books using that piece of paper. The goal is for the bridge to hold the most pennies. Now, a little hack for you if you don't want this to take the entire hour, placing one penny at a time takes a lot of time. So we just grabbed our cell phones and said, whose bridge can hold the most cell phones? and you start piling them up well some person's bridge collapses and so then we move that pile of cell phones to the person's who bridge who's still still standing um and it's just a really great way to talk about one um the scientific method in making like You have a hypothesis. How many cell phones is your um, bridge going to hold? Um, We talk about just like the trial and error. Sometimes if I have a little bit extra time, I'll let them do a second round and so they can make changes to their bridge. Um, And we talk about like who looked at other people's while they were building, who was just focused on their own. Um, Sometimes I'll put students into teams so they're working together. Um, And it's just a really great way to start the class and engage. Um, I actually just did a student student survey, and one of the pieces of feedback from students was like, we want more STEM challenges like the Penny Bridge. That was so fun. Um, and I think especially at the end of the year when their brains are, it's just taken a little bit more for them to get warmed up in class. It's taken a little bit more for those gears to start turning. Sometimes that can be a really fun one. Um, Another one that I love is the tinfoil boat. And again, whatever supplies you have, tinfoil, and then you can add in other things. So we are in Minnesota and 3M is huge in Minnesota, right? We have headquarters and all of that. So we oftentimes get like random donations of 3M supplies, which is like foam or packaging peanuts that are compostable, like things like that. Um, And so sometimes I'll throw in those, different supplies or materials and say okay you have to you have to build a tin foil boat i give everyone the same size piece of tin foil and um then we I have marbles so whoever's boat holds the most marbles and that one's fun because i just have a big like rubbermaid tote in the front of the classroom filled with water and so when they've they think their boat is ready, they come up and trial it and they get to drop their marbles in. Um, And again, all the things that I talked about with the Penny Bridge, they do their hypothesis, they're going to um, look at other people's. Typically at this point, we've done enough of the STEM challenges where they're like, oh, what are they doing? What are they doing? um sometimes I have the kids that will come up and watch the first few people try their boats and then they'll go back and make some changes based on what they've seen and I usually kind of leave the directions or like the the rules kind of open a little bit because I think sometimes that like interaction between students um and and just the inquiry process of all of that is really cool to see play out so those are my two favorite STEM challenges like I said Google has a plethora of them based on what supplies you have. If you have no supplies, if you just have Play-Doh, if you just have um, tape, um, anything like that is usable to do some STEM challenges.
1: To add with those, uh, recently a friend showed me a website called Purple Plow. It's from the American Farm Bureau Federation and it has these things called puzzlers on there and their activities that their STEM challenges related to agriculture because it's from American Farm Bureau. So I just search them and there's like build a bioreactor. It's an hour long lesson. Um, talk about natural disasters and their impact on the world. Create something useful from a, from recycled things, food waste build a honeycomb structure that'll hold five pounds. I mean, definitely some stuff. And, um, these, since they're, you know, ag related, obviously they just hop right into your things. I'm like, oh, there's some food science ones. I might be able to add that when I get back, rather than just making ice cream in a bag, we can do some challenges that relate to like real, real technology and advanced stuff, not hating on ice cream making, because that's always a super fun lab. Oh, yeah.
0: Um, yeah, I got to pop in one more time. Yeah. One more that's really, really, you just need a piece of paper for each kid is have them build or make paper airplanes and chuck them down the hallway. And who's ever gets the furthest is it's like the most engaging thing. And I let them like, you can use whatever resources you can look online and it works great.
1: I also have students who use paper airplanes and put them in the ceiling. Anybody else have that issue? Um, They're very great. It's very exciting. But if you could see me now, you have to go like this. Take your two pointer fingers, point them downwards, put the airplane there and then fling it upwards. I'm going to take a picture this week of all of the paper airplanes that are in my ceiling. Eventually I found out who it was. So I just let him continue doing it like I don't really care. I don't think it makes me a bad teacher. And I tried to do it myself. I've yet to successfully get a paper airplane in my ceiling, but I think it's creative of him, you know, just keep it up. Um, Okay. Last thing. It's the end of the school year. I don't know about you, but I come back with my students for like a day and a half, like a Monday is a full day. And then a half day. And I was just talking to Hannah about before we hit record that I have two full weeks without seniors in my classes because they leave early because of graduation. And then we added on snow days. So it's real kind of whacked up. Um, So two of my classes are cut in half. So I think I have a class of six and a class of uh, like eight, something like that. It's going to be crazy. So we're going to just do all these fun things. But something that's very valuable to me as a teacher is doing End of the year activities that provide reflection for the students and feedback for me. So it's on the Green and Growing website, and I've probably talked about it before, but some things I've done um, together are just a Google form evaluation. Hannah does them consistently to do like a, a good, bad, ugly, or what could I start doing, stop doing, continue doing. Like she said, her kids told her that they love the STEM challenges to continue doing those. Um, this is something that allows them to think through the semester. And, you know, feedback is one of those things that I feel like teachers always find is scary. And it's probably a problem at the college level because we have all those really scary, like, oh, you have to do this mini lesson in front of the class. And it's, oh, don't worry about it. It's no big deal. And like, oh, then you're, Your administration is coming and you don't worry. It's not a big deal, but your whole life depends on it. Like that's what it feels like. Right. So we get so scared about feedback when feedback is what's going to help propel you forward. Because a lot of times think about yourself like in a fishbowl, like you, you're just like, you can't really see everything that's going on. Like, you know, uh, you might, I had a kid tell me once that I talked too close to them. And I was like, I didn't know. They're like, it sounds like you're yelling in my ear, Miss Nurswick And it's because they were close to me where my, my standing point is that Hannah taught me like my one place that I give directions. So I could move it back a few feet. But if she, if they didn't tell me that kid for 75 days or however many days, 85 days, they're stuck with me would literally be cringing. Like, clenching their jaw like, oh gosh, I hope she doesn't talk today. So feedback is something that's going to help people find your room more comfortable, like me yelling in my student's ear, but also find things that maybe aren't working. I still remember to this day feedback I got about a project I did and my My kid was like, I hate that you made us do it in front of the class and perform this skit. So from then on, I've offered that that same activity we did a few weeks ago in my class. They could either record it on video for me to watch or they could perform it in class. And I always had kids choose both. And I think that one provides choice for the kids, which we're all about, voice and choice in education, but also provides them the comfortability to to do it in a place that makes them feel safe. And we want our classrooms to be safe. So that's my my thought about feedback. And here are three quick ways I do it. A Google form, like I said, with Hannah, and I will share a one that you can just copy and use that I've made. Another is a course reflection where you just answer questions in like paragraph form. Like, what did you learn about yourself this semester? If you could do this course over, what would you change? Um, Consider your class as a whole. Like, how did it help you? develop your skills in agriculture, what did you learn most about, Um, just like questions of that nature where they really have to think about themselves and their learning. I know I really want to hear that about my horticulture class because I ran it way differently than I did last semester and hear how the kids who took it last semester and this semester, how, how that was different for them and how they liked it or they didn't like it. And then Also, I've done top five, bottom five, and I give them a list of the standards and some like ideas of activities we've done. So, you know, I think of my small animal class, like we did a, um, gosh, what's it called? An enclosure. They had to create an enclosure uh, for a small animal of their choice. And we had demonstrations come in. We did lots of wonder day, you know, posters and all that kind of stuff. And I would list those out with my standards and say, "Okay, I want you guys to each choose your top five activities that we did in class and explain why and your bottom five activities of the year and explain why. Um, And that allows me to see if there's patterns like everyone says that this Penny Bridge activity was their favorite. Then I know to add that next year. And I can put that on a list of things that like, okay, definitely bring this back next year or. If there are things like my skit challenge that I did and, and forced them to do it in front of class, maybe that's something I can rethink. Not saying like the kids control the class, but if 30 kids are saying this was not fun, there's probably something I need to change as a teacher to either make it better for them, make it more fun, make it more engaging or make it more safe for them. So um, we have a ton of activities that we just talked about. Uh, Hopefully that'll save you when you're having those crazy moments or your kids aren't in class or there's testing. I know AP testing starts. What is it next week? Um, And you might be losing a lot of kids in class where like they don't have to make up the work because they just took their AP class or any of that kind of stuff. So feel free to use these activities because all of the ones that we're saying are good for their brains. A lot of them are, are thinking hard and thinking critically and thinking creatively and being problem solvers. So even if it might be just a step outside of your standards, try it out and see see how it goes. Hannah, do you
0: have anything else that you want to add to our teachers that they could use uh that you know and I just encourage you to I think Sarah I like that you said like sometimes it might be a little bit out of the standards or maybe you're taking time away from something that is a standard but I think it's important too that we're finishing the year strong with like that relationship side with our students as well and that engagement side um Think about things that maybe you would be interested in or, or like you think have been fun or like that you've done at a conference or something like that. I think about at NAAE, one of the things we had to do was like a puzzle challenge or like build a quilt and it related to agriculture communications. Um, but I did that with my egg leadership class and brought in all of my kids' puzzles and put them into teams and had them compete putting puzzles together like children's puzzles, but they enjoyed it. They had fun. It was teamwork. We did it again because they liked it so much, but we blindfolded people like I think just encouraging you to to play around, have some fun with it. Have your students come up with something um, and, and finish the year having fun with your students. Um, The other thing I want to tell you is we have a green and growing takeaway library, so we mentioned this a couple of times at the beginning and throughout, but if you go to greenandgrowingedu.com, you'll see a um, a part up at the top that says for educators, go ahead and click on that, and you're going to scroll about halfway down and you'll see something that says check out curriculum, and when you click on that, um, you will see that there are All of the things that we talked about, um, as well as some others, some dog food sales scenarios, the baby animal shower, the animal welfare analysis, um, just some fun ones that you can grab, download and go. Just like if you've been to a Germinate conference and you're familiar with takeaways, this is a takeaway library for you that's 100% free and it is there for you to to use and to um, bring into your classroom.
1: And speaking of germinate, so if you're watching this right now live, it is April 30th, the last second. No, it's not April 30th, it's April 27th when you're listening to this. So, right at the end of April, Germinate registration opens on May 16th, and something that's really cool that's happening when we open registration is we're all getting together virtually on Zoom the night of May 16th, and we are having an exciting, exclusive launch party for registration and what you can do is when you're on the gng website checking out the takeaway library it's going to say something at the top that says join the germinate waitlist and you will get your zoom link to this thing and why would you show up to this that's a great question that is a great question we have decided because of feedback from y'all just like we're talking about feedback with students feedback from teachers who've come to germinate We've made some changes to how Germate will run this summer, but instead of just throwing that at you when you start the conference, we wanted to give you a little taste of those activities that you love and the activities that we're adding to help you engage more, for you to be able to network more and for that to all turn into you impacting your classroom even more. So it's kind of like a mini Germany all in very short amount of time um, for you to collaborate and get some activities, get some fun times with your other ag teachers. And then as soon as it's over, you will be the first people to be able to register for Germany that is coming up in July. So when you're on the GG website, just click that, add on the wait list, and we'll see you on May 16th.
0: We can't wait. It's like a little party sampler platter, right? Like it's a little, little fiesta platter so that we can all. Or tutoring board, if you will. (laughs) (laughs) We can't wait to see you. Bye friends.